On Local Matters this week we focus on transgender children and youth. And I'm happy to welcome Professor Claudia Meyer-Höfer for our interview today. So, Professor Claudia Meyer-Höfer, you are a professor for childhood studies and recently you have focused on trans children in your research. And this week you are going to be in Luxembourg delivering a conference in the framework of the event series on trans children and youth. How do children and youth even notice that they are trans? Young people know that they are girls or boys from the beginning of their life. So they don't use the word I am trans because they say I'm a girl or a boy. In this respect, the uh, positing of this truth needs to be changed. Adult trans persons already have a history of coming out and transitioning behind them. And that is different from that of young people today. Children don't come out. They don't transition. They are and they know. To assume this changes a lot of dynamics. Does that mean that for children it is actually easier because they don't have to make this transition? Yes, sure. It's easier for the children themselves, but the environment even does not uh, think about the child determining the gender on their own. So there is this idea that adults say the name and say the gender at time of birth. This is a kind of a norm and this is a kind of a, a particular idea of being which dominates. And this is what makes it very difficult for children to be themselves as a boy, as a girl, and because they just feel it and nobody can say today what kind of access to gender is the right one or the wrong one. So um, that's an open space how you receive an idea of who you are, or even you are non-binary. So this particular moment, this particular strategy to name the gender and give a name is then normative, but this is the moment when children who determine their gender on their own themselves, because they have to, because nobody speaks for them as how they see themselves, is a, a very crucial moment. And it's a crucial democratic moment. I want to explain it like that. I imagine that it's kind of difficult if you if you're given a gender and if you're raised as a boy or a girl, but you don't feel like you are this person. Is, yes. Is it possible for you to say a bit, I know it's a difficult question, but can you say a bit how children feel in this situation and in their bodies? Yes, yes we know a lot about that because especially Eric Schneider does a lot of counseling for families and he especially says that he speaks with parents because they parents need to transition. The children, if they don't want to talk to him, the moment is very crucial that Families are very distressed when they cannot initially understand why, for example, the daughter is constantly throwing tantrums at home and on the street when meeting other people and being addressed as a girl. Once everybody understands the young person, in this case a boy, then everybody feels easy again. So it's just a moment that families are very um, distressed when they don't understand the expression. So it's not just it's just saying I'm a boy, I'm a girl, but that the environment causes a lot of distress for the children. So um, 
what is very important there is just to be with the families and just to feel that moment when everybody can accept the self-determination of a child. And that it includes also social workers or um, politicians and scientists and, and psychologists. It includes a lot of persons that don't believe that a child is able to determine their gender themselves. And we cannot impose our experience to other people, to children especially. So um, what can or should parents, and I imagine Parents and teachers, this is a complete different framework. Um, parents, on the one hand, that's more personal and teachers do have a real um, task. But what can both do to facilitate this situation for the children? Yes, um, young people who self-determine their gender are normative. This means that they set new norms in their milieu, family schools, and especially in legal systems. Uh, first of all, gender is not externally designated at birth, as I already said. There is a dimension of being gender that does not fit in our contemporary conceptualization of truth. I think that um, what is very important in that case is uh, new norm building on a lot of um, levels, um, levels which are important for accompanying young people in this uh, culture and structure. The, so the uh, fresh uh, norm building, as I can uh, call it in that way, is very crucial for the lives of young children in this democratic society. If we think about everyday life, especially in schools, but also outside, I imagine mm -hmm. that mainly for non-binary, but also for trans children, it must be difficult that in schools you have bathrooms for girls and bathrooms for boys and yeah. lists about boys, lists about girls, even in sports lessons, who has the record for the boys, who has the record for the girls. And this is the same if you go out of the school in statistics and research. So actually it's a radical change that we need to improve their, the situation for them, isn't it? Yes, I think architecture is also a norm. So just to create... Um, bathrooms um, is something which is um, yes, um, gender neutral. Um, that is something which takes place in, in different um, universities, for example, that there creates gender neutral toilets that you can choose to. Um, there is a the moment of very important that um person who determines their gender is not being supervised or politicized by other people who say, oh, what gender does that person have? To which toilet does he, she goes? So there's a, just a situation where children have to place too, that they're observed and that they're judged and that they are outliers and uh, spoken about by others. And I think that um, gender neutral toilets offer this moment of, or bathrooms just offer this moment of, it's me, I just choose what I am. And even persons who are cis persons can just use that. And so it's just a, um, a kind of non-binary construction of being and I think the bathroom isn't only one example there is subliminal very much um, very um, a lot of situations which are normed in our society towards um, the binary system of segregating men and women so you cannot have a free trans world if you don't have a free world for men and women too oh, probably that will take a lot of time <laughs> 
see it needs a lot of discussion and discourses, and I think this is what democracy is, is the best background for that. Yeah. So if we get back to maybe the children's insight, I'd say, mm -hmm. what are or what is the main difficulty for them in coping with their gender identity? I think it's if you just say identity, it just means that their identity is a problem for themselves. They are coping with it. They are suffering about that they are not born with the sex and gender they feel they are. But I think that um, this coping with this moment, this special moment, I cannot talk about that because I'm not trans, I'm cis, so it, it is very important for me just to say that It's the environment which gives them the task to cope. And it's just the access to self-determination which just takes away this tragic, dramatic situation from a person. Yeah, probably. Well, I'm certain that you're right. The identity is not the problem. It's merely the environment. <laughs> I feel a bit clumsy because every time I speak about these topics, I... Um, somehow don't choose the right words and I think it's difficult if you're not in this situation. Yes, it's also difficult for me because, as I said, I'm cis, but I, I'm just very close to um, describe um, the situation of children growing up in, in society. So that's my position I can speak about that. Yeah. You thought a lot about the need for self-determination for children and many advocates for trans children rights demand that for instance treatment with hormones must be available for the children before puberty how much responsibility and freedom to make this kind of very decisive decisions should children have Yes, yeah, so this is very well discussed and on different levels and, and, and different working groups where um, we discuss that. And first of all, it's important to keep uh, the levels well apart because the puberty blocker hormone, they do not change the sex. It's just, um, they, they are not those hormones which are in opposition to the um, endocrine system, which is biologically uh, given. It just delays puberty so that boys do not grow breasts and trans girls do not get a voice change and the characteristic of male larynx and hair. Young people are very afraid of these gene expressions in this situation, including their parents. For example, when a trans boy gets a period, it is an enormous burden. And at that level, young people are very suicidal. And as I said, it only delays puberty. So the puberty blockers just help to get clear on one's own situation. Uh, they do not change the expression. They just delay these moments. In this delay, they can happen a lot, and it's a very open space. There has to be done a lot of research on that, research which is not uh, making a psychological or a pathological problem of being self-determined. It's very important just to try to find out how to assist boys and girls to um, get a clarity to them and not to influence them. And the, even the one or the other direction, being trans or cis. 
And it's very important to do research, um, especially um, in medicine, where the endocrinological accompaniment is offered. And um, it's very important that this is a very good situation for the children and that they're very ex the experts in medicine, which um, do the procedures with the children on that level. If children just decide to have their puberty blocked, they know so much about the surgeon uh, procedures. Okay, then let's hope that uh, things are moving. And thank you a lot for taking the time for this discussion. Mm, and also have a good stay in Luxembourg and good luck with your conference on Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you very much.